Welcome back to Life with Rajpal Ball. Today marks episode 18, and I'm joined by my brother Manraj, and we're going to talk about the evolution of comedy in TV shows. So, how comedy has evolved over time in different TV shows. So, we're going to start by talking about the early 20th century, okay? We're, or 21st century, tw- early 21st century, um, with shows like Arrested Development. And then you have The Office in the middle, you know, still early 21st century, but like early 2000s. That's a little, let's put it that way, early 2000s. And you got Arrested Development, 2003, 2004. Then you have The Office. And then you have Parks and Rec. And then you have now, you have Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and you have kind of how, you look at how politicized it is, and it's like some episodes, they're just trying to get across this liberal agenda. Now, I am not opposed to liberal agendas, but when I'm watching a comedy show, I want to laugh, you know? It's It's not a matter of like, it's still funny jokes. But it's just different when you feel like it's just scripted. It doesn't come across as natural. Yeah, you know, it's still, like, great, like, funny dynamics between the characters. But, you know, you don't watch a comedy to see a 30-minute lecture about, like, you know, the whole he he said, she said, like, debate. Yeah. Like, that was literally the title of an episode. Yeah. And this is Brooklyn Nine-Nine we're talking about. Once it was uh, bought by NBC. Yeah. Yeah. So... That's one other thing, too. So Arrested Development is a Fox show. Then it be, just recently was re, like, reva- like uh, revamped. revamped on Netflix, uh, 2015. And then I think they just... 2018. 2018 wow. And then was the season five in 20, thir- 2015, I think, was season four. Season four, yeah. Yeah, but, and they were both Netflix. And then prior to that, it was Fox. But I am telling you, I have never laughed... I I just I'm rewatching the show right now because it's quarantine, right? And I cannot stop laughing. Like every episode, despite I know what's gonna happen, the director does a phenomenal job of tying in humor to every single scene. And not only that, the actors are naturally funny. Will Arnett is phenomenal, by the way. Will Arnett, he plays Job. He is a great actor. But he kinda in every episode you kinda get the Will Arnett signature but all the characters are hilarious david cross he's really funny um jeffrey tambor he's a pretty funny guy um tony hale does a great job great playing job. buster bluth great job. great job but every single episode it's just all t- you have humor in every single segment of the episode and then you have this big scene at the end yeah. this like finale scene where everything goes wrong they're all like mini Tarantino. but they're all yeah it's it, but but instead of like a big like holy what the hell just happened it's more of like a that was just you're just laughing your ass off yeah. like bottom line that's how the end of every mm-hmm. episode is and my point is with this is there were sometimes there was the occasional jabbing at certain groups there was the occasional like laughing and like there was like there felt like there was no pressure to be I mean, funny, like or there was no pressure to appeal to an audience to be funny. It was just natural comedy that just happened. Yeah, nowadays, having characters like Tobias or even Anya wouldn't be possible. Exactly. You know, those are like two guys who really like help enhance the show's comedy. 
Yeah, and the stuff that Lucille Bluth, the mother, says is true of Orange County wasp mothers. But right now we're in this day and age where we feel like we need to censor it or we just feel like we need to just, you know, portray comedy as politically correct. Mm -hmm. Which in reality, entertainment and politics, I know a lot of entertainers, like a lot of the guys in the film industry, donate to campaigns. But a lot of the poly, like political guys, there's, it's weird how they're so connected. Like it's weird how now you had the entertainment industry always influence politics with money and like super PACs, et cetera, and donations. But now it's like you have interest groups. I don't know if this is not true, but it feels like there's just interest groups telling these directors to push this certain agenda Mm -hmm. in these, in these shows. I mean, just look at Disney. I know. Yeah. It's, it's like there has to be this new thing every time. And now I'm not an advocate of the status quo, but I believe something like humor should be left alone. It should be independent. It should be independent of anything else. That's what makes humor so great mm-hmm. is you can be funny and people understand that there's a setting to be funny. You don't have to be funny all the time. You don't have to be humorous all the time. But when you want to hear a joke, you want to hear a joke and you shouldn't feel restricted when you're telling a joke or when you're about to tell a joke. You shouldn't be worried about, like, thinking about what 2% of the population will feel about this joke. Because mm-hmm. in reality, it's not a matter of appealing to the masses. It's just a matter of being funny. Mm-hmm. Which, again, this is a controversial issue, and I'll, I'll say this again. I am not opposed to a liberal agenda in media. Oh, yeah. But I do believe that TV shows should be left alone as sitcoms. Like, sitcoms are sitcoms. They shouldn't be influenced by politics. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I I just... Right? I, I just think it yeah. makes sense. No, it makes perfect sense. Like, very similar to, um, you know, earlier the whole thing, like, this is a long, long time ago, 19th, uh, early 20th century. Everyone was disappointed that it was religion and politics that are always combined, right? It's just a whole, it's just the same concept, you know? You want some things are meant to be independent of one another. And once everything become, becomes just an aspect of politics, then really, it just sucks. Now, now, I'll be honest. You guys know this. I love watching political documentaries. I love politics in general. And from the sense of, I love just learning about it. from Because it has so much influence. But at the same time, it's truly where actual change is made. From the sense of a law is a law, right? A law is a law. A court order is a court order. An executive order is an executive order. And that part of it is really cool to just kind of understand the system and the framework of society. That's why I'm interested in the field. And I do understand how politics kind of expands into these and has its spheres of influence. But I do believe that there should be a separation of film and state. Or a separation of TV and state. Because yeah. you already have politics f- flooding social media. Mm-hmm. Like, all these actors, everyone, anyone. Heck, I can start my own political agenda right now by posting something to my Instagram story. I can start a petition, put it on social media, and get, like, you know, 15,000 signatures in two days. Yeah. Right? That's totally fine. I totally respect that because that's free speech. And I do understand that it is these directors' rights it is their right to push this certain agenda, but 
why would you get why would you ruin something that was so great? That's kind of what I'm talking about, right? Why would you ruin humor at the expense of pushing an agenda that doesn't need to be involved in your TV show? Mm-hmm. That's kind of like the basis of this conversation. And Michael Scott, Steve Carell, who played Michael Scott in the iconic TV oh, yeah. series The Office. Office. Iconic TV show, like arguably the greatest show of all time. Um, he said that the jokes that he said in The Office, which a lot of people, our generation, even Gen Zers, love The Office. Yeah. Love The Office. Majority of us do. Mm-hmm. Right? So yeah. he's appealed to our generation to comedy. And our generation tends to be the most sensitive in terms of jokes. But he said that if The Office were to be played right now in the late 2010s, it wouldn't work, it wouldn't work because of the jokes. He thinks the general population is right now. There's just this, this, um, you know, this sense of sense. There's just a sensitivity that we didn't have before. Yeah. And it was kind of brought about by the information age. Kind of almost, we're almost at the climax of the information age. But right now, it's just like, Everyone has social media. Everyone can, can voice their opinion. And now, because everyone can voice their opinion, which is great, and more people have broadband and internet access, you're seeing all these new viewpoints and all these new groups, which before, you never really saw. Mm-hmm. You never really knew. So, you were made, like a lot of jokes were made just because it was funny at the time, and a lot of people still think it's very funny today. But there's still that group of people who are so outspoken that they would ruin a show. They would ruin the credibility of a show. They'd ruin the ratings of a show. Oh, I mean, that's what happened to Brooklyn Nine-Nine. They had a really great first four seasons, and then their ratings kind of started dropping because people on their network started uh, criticizing them for those types of jokes. So then in their fifth and sixth season, they really tried to milk their um, just, I guess... More liberal More audience. liberal beliefs. Yeah. Like uh, biased cops and stuff. Yeah. They tried to tackle serious issues. And the show naturally got worse to the point where their ratings were the worst on the program. Yeah, it, it, exactly. And that's uh, when Paul Chip joined us right now. So he's going to be here for the rest of the pod. Uh, the, but in general, you have to understand that we are not saying that a political message can't be in TV. We're saying that... Jokes are jokes. Humor is humor. We shouldn't be at the stage where actors are forcibly trying to be funny or forcibly making jokes to push this certain agenda to appeal to this small group of people. And we acknowledge the fact that the ratings did go down because of the insensitivity. Mm -hmm. And we get that that's wrong to be insensitive. But at the same time, by now changing the style of the show and just feeling like the comedy was forced... As you could tell in the later seasons, the ratings just plummeted. Yeah. So. You can even really see what this um, phenomenon through. Like, look at Quentin Tarantino, right? Besides everything that happened on Kill Bill, because we all know that that was a mess. But if you look at, like, the hate that his recent movies from, like, Django on have received. Even even this new one, Once Upon a Time, right? Everyone was saying that it's racist, it's sexist, blah, blah. Especially, like, they're saying Margot's Robbie character wasn't, like good she didn't why didn't she have as many lines right when, when all the guy was trying to do is just tell a story you know it just shows you the influence of that like it's, it's overrepresented rep, it, represented like groups history happen. is best told from the perspective of the time period that you're talking about so in tarantino's film 
he had to show us the 1960s, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And that that's what he did with Margot Robbie's role. It wasn't like... Well, also, you know, the thing is, like, people, they just... Some people, they go into a movie and they just want to see what they... What will upset them, right? Because if you really look at the point, what he's trying to do is Sharon Tate's character is now all you hear when you hear Sharon Tate, all you think about, you just associate her with her murder and the Manson people, right? He's said this multiple times. We're just trying to do with this character is just humanize her, you know? Show her going to the movies, doing normal things, right? And if that's sexist, then I don't know what, because he's glorifying something, you know? It's, 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 it's just a whole weird take. We're in an age where opinions are everywhere, mm-hmm. and you say one thing, and you could easily offend a group of people without even knowing, exactly. right? Yeah. Like, it's, it's just... You're more prone. You're more prone now than ever to be labeled as ignorant, mm-hmm. and that's really hard because you you can be on top of everything and still screw up in this department. And I think it's something that the film industry experiences on a day to day basis right now. Clearly, because if you have like directors like Tarantino, Scorsese, these big names who are just you know mm-hmm. struggling with these kind of criticisms, God knows what the average Joe film director is experiencing. Right? Yeah. Um, and now we're going to just tie it all in to the three pillars. So physical pillar, for everyone's well-being, you got to laugh. Right? You got to laugh. Humor is an essential part of our lives. And don't, if you need to laugh, you need to get a laugh in, watch a TV show from earlier. Not we'll watch one now. If one now makes you happy and makes you laugh, cool. But I'm just... I'm encouraging you to look back at more genuine humor yeah. on TV. Uh, socially, who doesn't like to have a good time? Mm-hmm. Especially when you're watching your favorite, you know, tunes or oh, yeah. your favorite TV show, favorite cartoon. Um, and then professionally, obviously, humor, it ties in more to the physical and social pillars and physical and social well-being. But from a professional sense, you always need that break. You always need that mental break in the sense of you always need a reason to smile. And if you're not smiling because your work, which you should, your work should be gratifying enough for you to smile, you can just think of a joke or think of these shows that always make you laugh. Yeah. Right? But thank you so much for hearing this uh, episode. Thank you guys for your continuous support. Please continue to follow, like, and subscribe. And thank you to our sponsor, Acre FM, and have a great night.